All right, boys and girls, here we are again. Another episode of Surviving Hollywood Podcast. I'm Johnny Ray Diaz. I am Aaron Arnold. I am Austin Arnold. And we just sat down with uh, an amazing casting director. She's casted tons of, like, probably your favorite TV shows. Uh, Kara Shoot Rosenbaum. Uh, she's done The Mini Project. She's done Last Man on Earth. Uh, the League, which is one of my favorite shows. Um, she's also done work on like Jumanji and she's doing, I mean, she like literally has done like amazing TV shows, big features, like just like all the cool stuff that you want to be involved in basically as an actor. She was a great get. She was a great get mm -hmm. for the, for the pod. Uh, something was cool was that, um, two of our former guests, uh, one an actor and one a director, she was you know, worked with to some extent or another, like one of uh, a director, you know, worked on something she cast and she actually cast an actor in Stuber, Renee, if everybody remembers Renee, we get into it in the podcast, but. What I liked is just the fact for our audience out there, this podcast is basically three actors are getting information from a casting director from three actors point of view. So all our questions are sort of relayed with this, you know, with the self tape when you're in the room. Um, you know, how they choose the actors that they end up choosing and just stories through her eyes from an actor's questioning point of view. So if you like that, you're going to like this episode. And I was telling these guys before, the, for, before this intro, I really feel that my booking ratio is going to go up slightly because it just demystified the whole casting. I'm serious. That's what you want. That was the point. I mean, she, she's agreed to bring us all in for an audition after this, <laughs> right? That's no, that never happened. I know it didn't happen. This is the all right, anyway, <laughs> this is great for all you actors out there, even your filmmakers, like the whole process of like working with producers, directors, all that. I think it's all relevant. So you guys should enjoy it. going well going well i just wanted to get for complete clarification it's cara or is it cara 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 okay i knew it because i was like we're gonna i was thinking about it and i'm like mm, i don't want to mess okay. this up you know what i mean but i'm sure you get it a lot well, i do we were gonna have you start with the slate but <laughs> yeah my name is cara shooters and i'm five foot four i'm here in los angeles nice <laughs> booked you booked it Fuck. <laughs> what's going on team thanks for uh thanks for coming on we're just kind of hanging out obviously um how are you uh holding up in this whole uh this whole climate right now oh you know it's um it's something all right i have a two-year-old also so it's been just a, a really interesting time <laughs> too we also we have a two-year-old and we started a major renovation on our house on february 24th um, oh wow so uh, it's been interesting to say the least going on here. We were like, yeah, we we like been saving up for years to do this big, big project. And um, it's still going on because we had to take quite some time off and go down to a one man crew and like all this stuff. So it's just been like, you know, it's, it's, it's weird for everyone for different reasons. And we're all just surviving, not thriving, I feel like, but doing the best we can. <laughs> well, good thing you're on surviving Hollywood. It's, no. not it's not thriving Hollywood. Hey. She has the secrets. Hey. <laughs> um, is there any, like, is there any, is the industry opening back up from like your point of view? Have you heard anything? No. 
I mean, people have contingency plans and we can talk about this, you know, when you guys want to roll too, but um, I've heard that people have different contingency plans. Like if they start in August, this is how they would roll it out. And if they start in October, this is how they would roll it out. And if they start in January, this is how they would roll it out. Um, But these are all hypothetical plans and nobody really knows how they would roll it out. Um, So it's just, it's, it's all sort of make-believe and, um, you know, there's a couple crews that I've heard of that have gone back to shooting in, in Europe and things like that. And I think that will really be a test of how it goes. But I, I just don't know that anything is, is big. Did you hear the story about the German, um, Germany opening up their soccer league and what happened there? Like, no. Ger- Germany, who's handled this crisis amazingly, decided they were going to go back to playing soccer and they put, you know, all these quarantines and all these things in place. And after a week of play, two people on a team tested positive for COVID. One of the managers um, left the quarantine hotel to like go get like toothpaste or something stupid. So he had to be removed from the team and go into a separate two week quarantine. And like, they're they're Like, it was just like madness. Jeez. So yeah. it's, it's just, nobody knows quite how to, how to handle it and how to be able to, like you can't quarantine whole sets of people together that the expense of that alone is crazy and people have families or kids and you can't tell them that they can't see their kids and their families so I don't know like I, I wish I knew it would be you know lovely to, to have some semblance of it but we're also never privy to this kind of discussion somebody just tells us when yes. we're shooting and we say okay um you know from what yeah. you're hearing it could be true. anything it could be anything i think like i think things like animation will come back quicker because it's you know you can have an actor go in at one at a time into a recording booth or do it from home and sanitize it and whatever and have animators working separately and, and stuff like that um and people are talking people are writers i know are right now trying to rewrite their movies to make them smaller essentially um mm-hmm smaller shoots smaller casts but like especially as actors like you guys aren't able to wear a mask on camera and you have to be intimate with people and it's it's it's, it's putting yourself right in harm's way it's really hard so I don't yeah that, that has to be the most challenging thing is like you said like the protocols like how do you i mean i guess at the end of the day really obviously the only way is like a vaccine but we're far away from that so yeah. Would you say eventually they just have to open up and assume the risk? Because like, what else can we do? I don't know. I mean, I know SAG came out and said no member should take any work. You shouldn't sign any waiver. We're not ready to go to work. And I think that's very telling. Um, and, you know, our union, the team stores have essentially said the same thing. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's just so hard because for what we do for a living is is literally being intimate with tons of people all day and you don't know where those people have been where they're going who they're interacting with it's it's and it's an acting profession and you know my husband's a dentist he's still seeing patients he's exposing himself every day and you know he's got PPE and a face shield and all that stuff but like we're we're crazy over here you know he takes his scrubs off before he comes in the house and like he puts them in a plastic bag and like doesn't like we just don't know um so it's it's just freaking weird guys I, yeah. I wish I wish I had a better handle on it. Yeah. It, it is really we're even talking about the dentist. I, I chipped a tooth, so I was calling my dentist to go in and get it fixed. And he was like, Well, it's gonna be a little while because right now we're only seeing one person a day. And I oh, was wow. like, Damn. All right. Well how much pain are you bit. in? <laughs> I mean, luckily I'm not in pain, but yeah. it's like I was just like, Oh, all right, well, it's gonna be a little bit. 
you know, until they figure out, I guess, how to handle things better. It's a small office. And so, uh, I don't know. It might, Johnny, it might be best to uh, switch up to Kara's husband. Yeah. If you want, if you want better. He's seeing seven patients a day, so. That's pretty good, actually. That's pretty good. Better than one. I know. Let me know. I know. Hey, I might have to. I might have to hit you up about that. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I mean, we're obviously, we've got a lot of questions about the way things are going, but, um, you know, uh, I'd love to actually kind of talk a little bit about, you know, kind of how you got started and sort of demystify this casting director thing. Because mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of times, sometimes as actors and filmmakers, like, we know the, who the casting director is, but like, I often wonder myself, how do you even get started doing that? And um, is that something you always wanted to do? Like, how does that whole process work? Yeah, so I did not even know this existed. This was like not something that was on my radar. Um, and I came from an acting background um, and I quickly, very quickly knew that I did not want to be an actor. It just like was not my path and I wasn't really sure where it was. And after college, I kind of decided that I wanted to be a dramaturg. That's what I decided I wanted to do. It's like, I wanted to go work on Broadway and like research plays and like get into really yummy Shakespeare and, and you know, all this stuff. And, um, I came out to Los Angeles through a grad program um, that uh, was internship based and they were offering all these really amazing internships and kind of like see where you can make it. And I was like, all right, I'll go out to Los Angeles for a semester and then I'll just like move back to New York to home and start my life in New York. And I never left. (laughs) I came out here and my first internship was in the casting office at Criminal Minds with April Webster and Scott David. And I was just like, oh my God. What is this? Like nobody even explained this to me. Even as an actor, I didn't know this existed. And like when you're in uh, any BFA program or any acting training school, they don't talk to you about a casting director and what a casting director does. You just know that you audition and you get cast. Like you don't see that process. There's no casting director that comes into your theater department and works with you or whatever. Um, And so I just, it just really clicked for me in this really magical way where I was still working with actors and experiencing actors and understanding their beats and their intentions and their moments. And, um, and, and yeah, and literally never looked back. So all my like pl- plans of like, Oh, I'll just be gone for three months and then I'll be home. And all my friends were like, you're getting an apartment. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> so now here we I are. I mean, you just tell people back home, like guys, it's like 80 degrees. Like what, oh my God, yeah. what's snowing over there? Why would I want to come back? Like, Why? you know, Why indeed. Um, so, so yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. And I remember, um, you know, the criminal minds, were you an associate or so you're interning there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you still sitting in on the sessions then at that time? Yeah. yeah, I was, I was in sessions. I was running camera for the sessions. So it was, it was me and Scott and Erica Bream was the associate at the time when she was Erica Silverman. And, um, and it was the three of us sort of like kind of running it. I was there every day and it was amazing. Um, and then a few months later, Scott and April had a new series come up and they needed to hire an assistant and they called me and they were like, do you want to come do this? And I was like, yep. Um, and there we have it. And so I really was lucky that I just fell into it. I otherwise would have never known how to even find something like this. And people don't even take interns anymore because of, you know, all the nonsense with the, not nonsense, but the, the black swan internship lawsuit a few years ago and all those things, people are terrified to take interns. Um, so it's really hard to break in. It's the same thing as being an actor. Like you need mm-hmm. the resume to get the audition and the audition to get the resume and the da, 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 da. Same thing with casting. If you try to get in the door in casting, everybody just wants someone with experience. It's very hard to find the time to train someone because we, or we were moving so fast. Now it's a little different. 
Um, but before it was like, you, you just need to know how to do this job. And the only way you learn is, is just hands-on. Would it be a good place to start be like a reader? Is that how you would maybe start, I guess? Being a reader is great. Um, the CSA has actually now developed a program to train up and coming assistants. They sort of have like a crash course and I think they're figuring out a way to put this online. Um, but the casting society is, is sort of has a crash course on casting on um, all the software we use on um, sort of the, the terminology we use, like sort of what the day-to-day -day might look like in a feature or, or a television office and, and things like that. So that um, people are taking that really seriously. And when we're looking to hire assistants and we see that we go, Oh, okay. Like that's a little bit more interesting, at least to somebody who, who's never actually worked in an assistant's office or worked in a casting office before. Also people who have agency or manager experience who sort of are looking to make the jump. A lot of people maybe start, you know, at an agent's office and they deal with the other side and then they go, you know, I'm really interested in that. And a lot of times since they already know the one side, it's easier to make the jump to our side. Um, but yeah, stuff, stuff to get in the door. What kind of, uh, like when you were interning and obviously where you are now, what kind of stuff did you pick up like watching actors, like maybe some like best practices or st some stuff people were doing right, something wrong, like or, general or bad practices. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the same thing even as like I work now, like there are people that come in the room prepared and there are the people that come in the room and they make excuses. You know what I mean? Like my whole thing is like anytime an actor comes in the room, they're like, I'm so sorry. I just got these sides. It's like, Oh, I know when you got the sides. I sent out sides. Like, you don't have to tell me when you got them. I know you either got them later. I know you either didn't look at them. So, like, what you're telling me is you're about to watch a really bad audition. And so, like, <laughs> why do I care about that? You know what I mean? Like, people that come in and they're already setting the bar really low for themselves. Like, it's such a bummer. Or people who come in and they don't really know what they're auditioning for, or what the world entails, or what the tone of the piece is. They haven't taken two minutes to Google it or anything like that. Um, you know, little things like that. I think little things like just being a pleasant person in that audition room go a really long way. And that was super evident to me even when I was an intern to just be able to be like, oh, this person like came in and they were kind and professional and they executed and they left. And that's, a, that's doing your job as an actor, you know? I like it. Um, <laughs> nice. I just heard a random sound in the background. Oh, that might be some construction on my house. I can move. Okay. Uh, to me to move. No, that's fine. Sorry. <laughs> it's, I it's thought okay. this might be the quietest room, but it might not be. So I can move. <laughs> um, so, no, oh, yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to jump to you directed, I saw, or not direct, casting directed 13 episodes of Last Man on Earth, correct? Mm hmm. Casting. So um, I, was, I was the associate casting director on The Last Man on Earth. Um, so we did the first season, um, and then we did a couple other random episodes where they actually required cast because a lot of that show did not want to be done with right. <laughs> And uh, will we know one of the directors, a friend of the podcast, uh, Payman Benz, who worked on that show? So like, the question is, how closely do you work with the directors for, a, so, for TV? Well, so for that show specifically, not very closely at all, because there was no guest cast in each episode. So, yeah. you know, when there's no guest cast, we have no reason to sort of work on a on a basis, like with the script, with the writer, with the director. Um, all the stuff we were doing on that show was way up front, almost like pilot casting, but you were like dropping series regulars almost throughout the series because we knew what was coming and that's sort of what they were writing for. Um, so it was more working with like Phil Lord and Chris Miller and um, Seth Cohen and those people. Um, but otherwise, on a normal episodic that has 
desk cast. You're working pretty, you know, they're a big part of the conversation. Um, you know, you're, you're concepting with the producer and the director and the writer just to make sure everybody's on the same page about what it is you're trying to accomplish within the episode, what it is we should be looking for, what it is, you know, the tone of, of what we want, and if there's, a, if there's any specificity to what they're looking for. Um, and then, you know, trying to make that happen while also thinking outside of the box. So, like, we can talk to our producer and our director on an episode and they can be, like, very specific about what they want. But I can also look at that and say, like, I know they want this, but I know this one person who maybe doesn't necessarily fit this mold who would still embody some of these qualities. Let's try it and see if it works. Like, that's part of our job, too, is saying, like, I know you're saying you want A, but do you maybe also want a little B? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's, it's we all have to, like, do what's best to service the material. Um, but, yeah, you know, we, we uh, liaise between a lot of different cooks in the kitchen there's the studio and the network and the director and the producer and the writer and all of this and we gotta make all of them happy which is really exhausting sometimes who's the most difficult to work with which one is it oh i couldn't possibly tell you that and all of them are <laughs> difficult at one point or another for their own reasons <laughs> yeah well i and also since a director comes in you know a different director each episode but you're there the whole season do you yeah. ever get the vibe that like hey I, I know a little bit more than, than you because I've been here for seven episodes already, but you know, we're going to work together knowing that. Yes and no. I think um, the line producers of TV especially and, and the creatives and showrunners of TV especially like keep all that stuff in line. And when they invite guest directors into their world, they're sort of filling the directors in on how they work and what the world looks like and, and how it should be. Um, so and because we have a constant in them, like, you know, there's like a saying of like, TV is a producer's medium and film is a director's medium too. So like when the director comes in, yes, they have creative control over their episode, but they still have to fit in within the world that, that the showrunner is, is creating. So they're always, always gonna sort of defer to that person in the end and what the vision of the series is so that each episode doesn't look like it doesn't belong together, you know? Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's always a creative conversation where you want to collaborate and, and do the best work and make sure everybody's happy and on the same page in the end. And there's definitely directors I've been with that are on different pages than we are. And there's definitely directors that have been like incredible and just like easy to work with and great. It just totally depends on the project and the role, you know, the context of whatever it is you're doing can definitely inform what's happening. Yeah. And I, I know you've worked on a lot of, a lot of TV, but you've also done like you know, indie stuff, and then you've also done like the big block of certain movies like Jumanji, yeah. things like that. How do all those compare? Because obviously they're different casting animals. You know, do you have a preference and how do you kind of handle those? My preference is television. I just okay. love the pace of TV. Every week I have a different script, I have a different episode, I have a different, you know what I mean? Like I have a very clear deadline every week. Um, and with feature, you just have a lot more time on your hands and you can see the same role for six months and then offer it out to somebody anyway. And it's a little more, a little more exhausting. My favorite, one of my favorite um, stories is I was, I was working on a film a really long time ago and I mean, we were seeing this same role for so long and the actor came in and we had run out of sides in the waiting room and we weren't in our normal office. We were like on site at the producer's office or something. And the actor needed sides and uh, we didn't have any more. And so I just handed him mine and he was like, well, what are you going to read with? And I was like, I'm reading this scene for eight weeks now, homie. I'm all stuck. Like, I don't need, <laughs> I don't need my side. <laughs> so like, there is like a, 
for me, there's a little bit more of a, a pace with TV that I'm comfortable with and I really appreciate. Not to say I don't love feature. Obviously, I love feature and it's really exciting to watch those big movies and, and you know, do all that cool stuff. Um, but each one is a different animal. Indie movies, you, you know, don't have a money truck to back up sometimes. And you have to get creative and find people who are passionate about the material and, or find really good, raw, fresh faces that are going to, you know, do service to the story or with something like Jumanji, you've got a little bit more room to play and people know what it is. It's a known entity. So people are quicker to be like, yes, I want to do that. Um, so it, it, again, it totally depends on what it is you're working on at the time. So when you get a job to cast, um, you have to fill this role is what is your process for finding people? Do you, you know, send out uh, the uh, agents you work with or the producers are giving you people or? Yeah. So um, depending on the project. So like if we're just talking about like TV and film, you know, we'll break down the roles. We'll concept with the producers and the directors to see again, like what exactly we're looking for. And we'll come up with a breakdown that everybody is happy with. Um, depending on the project, we might have to get approval from a studio or a network or whatever on that breakdown as well, just to make sure everybody's on the same page. And then we'll release that on breakdowns to actors and, uh, sorry, not to actors, to agents and managers for them to submit their clients to. Sometimes producers will also kick in and say, hey, um, will you read this person? Or like, oh, can you read this, you know, whatever. Oh, I worked with someone. Can you find out who this was? And I just saw this thing. It, it's totally a mixed bag. Um, and everybody's invited to play, right? Because there's, we're trying to find the one person. So we want to be able to do the work to find that one person. Um, and then, you know, for smaller projects, indie movies, short films, theater, I might release it on Actors Access directly to actors to be able to submit for, depending on what the project is. Um, but generally for the bigger TV and film stuff, you're not gonna, you're, it's gonna go more directly to breakdown services and, and the agents and managers directly. And like, for example, Aaron and I were twins. We have the same agent, Nancy Chida's agency, boutique, mm -hmm. smaller agency. Like, what are the chances? Because I always see, like, uh, yeah, obviously, do you, do you immediately go to the big agencies? No. Or you go to the ones you trust? Or no, I go, I go for the people that are going to be right for the role. If I was only looking at certain agencies, I wouldn't be doing my job well. Like, you want to service the material, not the, you know, that would, that's like, listen, for like a series regular role, like yes, you're probably going to be seeing more people from WME and Gersh and CAA and, CAA and those people, but that doesn't mean we don't look at everybody's submissions and we don't look at the credits and we don't look at who's submitted. When I go through submissions, I put everything in alphabetical order and I look through every single one of them. And I put them in alphabetical order because if my eyes start to bleed at the letter L, I can take time, look away from it for a few minutes and then come back to it and make sure everybody's been looked at because we don't want to miss anything. And if we were only concentrating on certain agencies every time we release something, then we're going to be missing all this unknown talent, for lack of a better word, like people that are up and comers or people that are interesting or people that could be right for a role. Um, and that, again, is our job. Our job is to service the material at hand. So yes, our, if we're casting for like a major lead in a motion, in a, in a big budget feature, are we probably concentrating more on like the WME clients of the world? Yeah, because we're probably looking for a star name. But if we're going through, you know, guest cast on TV shows, everybody's fair game. It just depends on the role. You have to be right for the role and for the project. And that's always the biggest question people get. Like, how do I stand out in the submissions? And I can't tell you, that's like asking, you know, 
how do you eat a fairy? Like, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Do you know? I don't. (laughs) Um, Because, because like, it's, it's so, it depends on the role and the context of that role and the context of that project in that world. Because whatever I'm looking for in that time, the next day I could be looking for something different that you could potentially be right for, but the thing before you weren't. So standing out doesn't mean like, every time I see your headshot, it pops. It just means when I'm looking at the breakdown for the role I'm looking at, that's, that's sort of what works, if that makes sense. Just out of pure curiosity, because um, what is your opinion on slate shots? I'm not really a fan myself, but like reps are always like, you got to do this. And I'm like, all right, I guess. I don't watch them. I hope no one from Breakdowns is listening. Okay. Um, okay. I don't. I I think they're really creepy and weird and like not <laughs> not an accurate depiction of you. And like I'd so much rather just like watch your demo reel and your work. Like I don't. I don't want. I I don't click on them. And also, I know that they say I think that if you do a slate shot, it'll go to the top of the submission or something like that. They all, they always say that. And I'm like, I don't think that's completely accurate. No, because if I sort it by alphabetical order, you're going to go in alphabetical order. Right. So it depends on how you sort it. Exactly. If there's, there's, a, there's a setting to sort randomly. So if you sort it randomly, it randomly will put people with a slate shot above. But I don't know. I don't know a single person that randomly <laughs> looks through submissions at all. Like that seems like way more work for me <laughs> to begin which, with. So. Which casting director loves slate shots? That's, loves the slate one shots. That, that's the one I need to talk to. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think they're weird. I would. I, I want to watch a demo. I don't want to watch it be like, hello. Is My there, name is. <laughs> uh, obviously, quality is best, but preference for length of a demo? No. I want to click on it. I want it to work. I want it to be your best work. I want it to sell you, period. Um, people ask about splitting them up all the time and clips. Um, my preference as of late generally is comedy demo, drama demo, because depending on what I'm working on, that means I know what I'm getting when I click on your demo link. Um, I found that people that split it up by like project, sometimes I will just defer to the projects I know. So if you have a show on there that like, I just don't know, I'm not familiar with, I might not click on it, but that might be your best work to represent you for that role and I'm never going to see it. Um, so, you know, just just have the work on there. We are never, I don't know a single casting director that sits there and watches the whole demo reel anyway. We're going to click through it, get an idea and, and sort of move on. Um, we're not sitting there watching the whole thing in depth and until like you're at like a testing situation where we like really need to sit down and analyze it. We, it needs to just be a slice of, of who you are, how you present, how you sound, what you do, um, and your body, your presence, and your voice, and all that goodness. like it. So I'm a fan of the league. I've always been a big fan of the league. And I know that was one of the shows that you, you worked on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it, obviously, like working on that crazy show? And because it was very improv heavy, that show. So I'm curious, like, what that audition process was like for that show. And, you know, if you have any great stories of working on that, too. Bananas. Um, so I was a really big fan of that show before I even came to work on it, because I didn't come on for the last couple seasons. Um, it was the most insane, talented, hilarious group of human beings in the entire world. Um, a lot of the time, we would just offer out roles on that show, even to co-stars because they didn't really have scripts. They had ideas of what those episodes were going to look like and they knew they were going to need a nurse and they were like, who's a good nurse? And we'd be like, 
look look at these three demo reels. These are cool nurses we know. And they'd be like, great, go with that one. Um, and if we did have to audition, the scenes in the audition room were improvised. Um, okay. There was no script, there were no lines, there was a vague idea of what we were gonna accomplish in a scene and we would just go. Um, and it was, sometimes it worked and sometimes it did not. And it, it's truly insane. And I don't even know by the time those guys got on the, on the set, I never saw a script on any episode, never. I would just get really? like like beat sheets of like what was maybe okay, gonna like happen. Sort of. Yeah. Not, not even a like traditional formal outline it would just be like a word doc of like in episode four uh Roxanne's gonna go to the store and there's gonna be a girl there in episode five we're gonna need two nurses and a football coach and in episode like it was it was like so all over the place um and we would talk to to Jeff and Jackie uh the creators of the show and they would sort of talk us through like what they were thinking and where they wanted to go and sort of types that they were looking for and we would put together lists and kind of kind of just go back and forth that way it was bananas it was so much yeah. fun I've never it's, worked on anything like it <laughs> that is pretty crazy I mean it's also kind of cool because it's also creative and free-flowing in a way but also probably kind of weird Maddening. scripts yeah. And also very easy to then call the day before and go, oh, you know what? We just realized we're going to need a porn star for tomorrow. Can you get us one? And go, Seth, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen? Oh. <laughs> I think he's available. Yeah, totally. How did, how did you guys find Jason Manzoukas? Was he just like, he was part of like the improv crew, right? And then. Yeah, I mean, Jason's been a guy that's been around forever just being Jason. Um, and again, like, I, I wasn't involved in the original. Uh, I didn't come on till later in the league. But Jason's just, like, sort of just, again, he's just Jason's so hard. And, and he's, like, been one of those guys just in the atmosphere forever. Um, yeah. And he just took that character and soared with it. Yeah, he was my favorite character on the show. So good. <laughs> Um, gen generally speaking, if you're not a Jason Manzoukas type, and like besides no one is a Jason Manzoukas. <laughs> exactly. um, be besides having a quality reel, is there any way for an actor to get on your radar or a casting director's radar? Like, is are film festivals or improv shows? You know, I always say do work worth noticing and you will be noticed. And I know that is the vaguest thing in the world, but it really is true. Like, if you do something that generates buzz, you do something that that stands out for you and makes noise for you. It, it could be something as simple as a viral video or as big as an indie film or whatever it is, but your your best work and your most honest work will make it stand will make you stand out to people. And I also will like when I watch TV, even simple little co-stars, I'll see them and I'll be like, who is that? I don't know who that is. Like let me look up that person because I sort of always have to have an eye out, right? Like I always gotta sort of see people and know what's going on. And I I love being able to recognize people and I love being able to discover new people and I love all of that stuff. Um, but it's hard. And I know, especially right now when everything is down, everybody feels like it is a race to be productive and it's not. Um, and everybody feels like, well, I'm not doing anything. So I should be talking to casting directors. I should be talking to agents. I should be getting new representation. I should be changing. I should be getting new headshots. I should be doing all this stuff. Da, 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 da. And it's sort of like, this time right now is a really bananas time. You have to do the things that are going to fill you creatively and personally and all of that good stuff and focus on you. And yes, there are opportunities to take advantage of. There are casting directors, you know, opening up their general calendar meeting. There are casting directors doing monologue challenges. There are casting directors offering free open calls or demo reels or whatever it is. Um, 
don't feel like you're missing out right now because we are also all human beings going through a very weird time trying to figure that out. And people forget, we casting directors are all individual people also. Like something that I say, another casting director can hear and be like, absolutely not, I do not agree with that. Like we all work very differently. We have different tastes. We have different um, likes and dislikes and things that we, you know, respond to. Um, and we have different ways of engaging with people too. I'm very open on my social media, others are not. Um, and so you have to respect that. If you come, if you were trying to, you know, troll for casting directors on Instagram and you see somebody's account is private, probably don't send them a friend request, you know? Um, so it's, it's, you know, you, you have to be smart about it. And, um, but again, in terms of like getting on the radar, just keep doing your best work putting yourself out there if you, you know, and, and feeling like you are representing yourself in your best life. And if you don't feel like you're representing yourself best life, then take an inventory as to why. Do you think you're, you know, you need to have a conversation with your reps? Do you need to update your reel? Like what, what are the reasons that you're maybe not standing out to yourself or you feel like you're not putting your best foot forward out there and what that looks like. And that's going to be different for everybody because you are all individual people, even twins. Hey, nice. And uh, I wish I had a twin. <laughs> and and one follow up on that, yeah. like if like when we are not acting, obviously everybody always has downtime. We create short films and put them through festivals. I know you, you can't speak for every casting director, but for you, um, in yeah. generally speaking, would you welcome like if an actor said, "Hey, sent you things saying, hey, this film just won an award at this festival, just p- putting it on your radar," or I got a new piece of my reel? Do you welcome those like emails or yeah. no? People send me that all day. I have, um, my inbox and DMs are clogged with all of that stuff. And I look through it. I really, truly do. But I don't often respond to it all just because the amount of it is very overwhelming. You can tell um, us if you don't, if you don't I, I truly, I truly look at everything. Really, truly. Especially right now. You um, responded to my message and here you are. So, you it know. took me a few days though. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> um, but, but it's true. Like, I, I, I really, um, listen, like, this is the better version of a postcard, right? Because it used to be like you spent all this money getting postcards printed and sent them out in the mail and just hoped somebody looked at them. Um, This at least is free, the way to to engage, you don't have to spend money on postcards. And and it's very easy for me to click on a link and actually see your work instead of being like, oh, he's on this show tomorrow night, but I'm working and I can't watch it or whatever it is, um, when you see a postcard. So um, yes, I, I welcome that stuff, but again, please don't expect a response from me if you do happen to send me all of these lovely things, because it's just, it's very overwhelming. And you know, when you open the door to people to contact you in that way, people begin to feel entitled to your time in a certain way, and they begin to be like, why won't you answer me? Help me, I need help, you know what I mean? And it's like, okay, like, it's, it's, a, it's a really fine line of like, everybody wants to to make it and and the numbers are so against you in this business as an actor we get four thousand submissions on a role and only one person can get a role that's some pretty terrible odds so you you know again like i was mentioning before about being kind and professional like there's there also has to be that on social media as well and when you're sending things out and and recognizing that as well yeah i, I was just kind of thinking about like i heard that the open call with i think it was uh I think it was Bluestein's open call. They had like 60 or 70,000 submissions. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. And I'm like, is there going to realistically watch all those? Like that's, 
Insane. You can think of years. I mean, I did a monologue challenge a couple of weeks ago and I got over 2000 monologues and I'm still going through them. I'm, I'm almost yeah. halfway through. Um, Erica Bream issued a monologue challenge a couple of weeks ago. She got 8,500 right. monologues. I was talking to her this morning and she yeah, still has 5,000 to go. And she's like, <laughs> I, I don't know how I'm ever going to do this. Um, I immediately regrets doing the monologue challenge. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Like, but again, we're doing these things for a couple of reasons. One, we want to engage in this really weird time, right? We also, we want to keep flexing the muscle and it keeps us working. It keeps me watching self tapes. So I feel like I'm actively doing something aside, running around, making sure my two-year-old doesn't kill herself. Like I'm doing something active that I love in my career. So it's, it's helping keep that muscle sharp for me as well. Um, but it is a daunting, daunting number <laughs> to kind of go through. Um, any, what are the pet peeves for the self-tape? Since it looks like self-tapes are going to be more of a future than they were originally. What, yeah. what are the turn on and turns off? Um, you know, you have to have good lighting and good sound in the self-tape period. There's no more excuses for that. And that doesn't mean you have to have a ring light. And that doesn't mean you have to have the most expensive love in the world. You can shoot it on your iPhone. iPhones are really amazing. But like when I see it in portrait mode and not landscape, like you're holding the phone vertically and not horizontally, I'm just like, oh, because it's never going to upload or encode or look right on any of the software we need. Um, you know, people that frames are way too wide and they're hidden in a corner or they're way too close and I'm just like seeing up their nose um just like you know keeping it you know the regular frame the regular you know heart, landscape um all of that stuff I also personally and this is a, again a personal thing in, in the audition room I don't mind if you hold your sides but for some reason when I see them in a self-tape it drives me nuts and yeah. I think it's because when we tape you guys in the audition room, we're very careful to usually crop out your sides. The way you're framed, we don't see them. And so when I watch back any tape from an audition room that I'm sitting in, I don't see them. But when I'm watching them back on a cell tape, I don't know why it just like makes me crazy. So just keep them out of sight. If you're gonna send me a self tape, please. Um, if you have to refer down to it, refer down to it. Obviously, like you can't be 100% off book for every single thing you're doing, but I would prefer they're out of sight. Um, what else? Also, the thing about the self-tape that's really important to keep in mind is when you come into an audition room, I can't turn you off, right? I have to go with you on this journey. And so, but with a self-tape, I can turn it off if I don't like where it's going. And if you don't start off great in your self-tape, but you really warm up into the scene and you crush the end of the scene, I might never get there because I might just turn it off when the first moments don't work for me. And that sucks i'm not going to say that doesn't suck but it's just hard to keep watching it's especially hard to keep my creatives engaged with things like that so you really got to make sure you execute the beginning of that self-tape really well that you're in your moments you're in your you're doing all the things that you wanted to get done and if you need to edit takes together don't do multiple cuts in a self-tape but if you do one very quick very clean cut in a self-tape like if you do two different takes and you have a great beginning of one and a great ending of another one Find a way to edit that shit together. Really? Pro yeah. tip. That, that's interesting because I never thought about, I always think like, oh, I messed up at the beginning. I can't well, use that part because it's, I think about know. that stuff all the time, but I didn't want to get like disqualified if I like. <laughs> it's it's got to be like, it's got to be like a blink and, and I didn't notice it. You know what I mean? I can't like have you profile and all of a sudden have your head turned to the right if there, there's a cut like that. So it's, it's got to be clean. It can't be 
abrupt or take me out of it or be like, whoa, what happened there or the background changes or something like that. So it still mm. has to feel professional in a way, but it's gotta, but it's gotta be like you blink and you miss it almost. Um, but it, it's totally fine. Interesting. You kind, of, you kind of touched on this a, a little bit at the beginning when you first jumped on, um, talking about these, this self tape world now, like we obviously don't know where things are going to go with this whole pandemic and whatnot. Where do you see the future of casting going a year from now, like when studios and productions and all that? I think we're going to be living in a self tape world for a very long time. I don't think, um, any of us are going to feel comfortable having hundreds of actors in and out of their tiny little rooms. I don't think you guys should feel comfortable driving from Sherman Oaks to Santa Monica to Burbank, sitting in a waiting room with 40 different actors waiting for an hour. Like, I just, I just don't foresee that happening anytime soon. Um, so I think it's going to be self-taping. What I think might happen with that is I think we're probably going to be giving you guys much more information regarding those self-tapes about how exactly we want them, how many tapes we want them, maybe even clearer character direction that we would have maybe offered you in the room when we don't have you in the room. And I think there's going to be a more of an opportunity to redirect self tapes because we aren't going to be able to have you back live. So if I get a self tape, yeah. I'll be able to be like, oh, this was so close. Can they tape again and do this? Or can the actor call me and I'll talk them through it or whatever. I think there's going to be a lot more of that. Um, but again, these are guesstimates. I don't know. Um, I think they'll be doing things like Zoom and Skype callbacks and recording that way and maybe having your creative team sign on to Zoom to watch something. Um, but again, I don't know, and I think it will depend on the project. But you know, our creatives have sort of been used to a quote-unquote self-tape world for a long time now because generally when you guys go in, especially for TV episodic, you're just on camera with a casting director and then the creatives are seeing the tape, right? So they're basically not in the room anyway. So they're kind of used to this format. It's newer for us because we feed off the energy of you in the room and the direction of you in the room and get a vibe of you as a person. We're obviously not going to get that anymore. And we're going to have to do a better job um, vetting people as well, especially if we don't know them. If they're a jerk, it's harder to tell in a self-tape than it is in a live audition setting. Um, so yeah, I think I just think self-taping is going to be the way for a while. Um, I know this isn't... I was going to quick follow up to that. I know this isn't why necessarily your world, but what do you think about commercial casting? Because like that's always in person. Is that just going to be like? No I don't idea. know. I yeah. Again, it's not my world, so I'm not really familiar. Yeah. Ooh, that one was loud. Sorry, guys. Um, is this is this really distracting? Do you need me to move to a different room? No, no. Okay? So, as long as we know what it was, that's <laughs> okay. Sorry, it's going to be on the podcast. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, as long as we, uh, what was your question? Commercials. Um, I don't know. The answer is I don't know. <laughs> I think a lot of it's going to come down to maybe demo reels and headshots because a lot of commercials are based on looks anyway, right? Um, so I, I just, I wouldn't be able to say well because I've just never done it. It's not really my world. Um, but I, I don't foresee these huge open calls anymore. Or these, these, you know, cattle calls into La Brea or whatever it is and everybody waiting around and reading multiple things. I just, oh, it's not safe. And it's not safe for you guys. And you shouldn't, I mean, I can't tell you how to feel, but if I were an actor, I definitely wouldn't feel safe doing that. So especially because you, you can't wear a mask. You can't wear a mask if you're on camera. You can't wear a mask. Right. I guess you could wear one in a waiting room, but it, it's really terrifying. Um. This is, you guys, this is a great pre-interview. Do you guys want to start recording the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. JK. 
Um, hey, you cast Stuber, right? Casting Associate? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We, friend of the podcast, Renee, Johnny, how do you pronounce his last name? Renee Moran. Moran. Yeah, friend of ours. Yeah, he he did the podcast. Um, how you know? So our audience, you know, knows of him a little bit. How did that casting go? Do you remember specifics? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, that role was really um, hard to audition. I'm gonna move you guys. I'm so sorry. Hang on. This is just too much for me. I'm gonna stop okay. my video so you don't watch me run through oh, my god. house. Just hang on. Oh, I love the photo. Thank you. Hang on. Sorry. I need the baby monitor also. Kind of sounded like as if your husband was drilling on somebody. <laughs> Whoa. There it goes. As if on cue. Oh, man. All right, let's see if this is better. Hang on. Sorry, guys. No, no, no worries. <laughs> collect your thoughts on Renee. And <laughs> yeah, collect my thoughts on Renee. Okay. All right, let's try this. Um, okay, so uh, Stuber, um, that role was really tough to read because there was so much physical physical action happening in those scenes. If you guys have seen the movie, he's yeah. like in a car and he's like kicking out the window and then he gets shot and like there, all of it was like physical comedy. And so when you give sides like that to an actor, it's just excruciating and it's so hard to be like what's the line do I fully commit to every single action or do I just sort of ignore some of them or do I model through or like whatever um and it's so hard to like remember to act when you're remembering to do all of this physical stuff at the same time and have fun with it and Renee was just he just crushed it from like the very first time he came in I think he came in once for us and then he came back in for um the director and the producers and just like so so funny like just so on his game like just truly truly a pleasure and like that's the stuff that I absolutely love like when someone comes in and it's just like oh I know who this dude is I got you and just like goes for yeah. it it's like the absolute <laughs> best he was so good in that movie yeah he was nice that was a really good one actually yeah totally so great you've uh, um, I know you're you've uh, casted Go a ahead, couple uh, celebrities right what's that You've uh, like casted uh, a couple celebrities, right? A couple notable people. Uh, I guess. I guess so. Also, uh, cast, it's not a word. The past tense of cast is cast. It's a huge pet peeve of mine. I'm sorry, I'm not scolding you. <laughs> That's just what I heard. That's you know, I was that, we're asking uh, some people about you. Like, oh, she she works with celebrities sometimes. I I I mean, I guess I don't know. I don't know any of these people. Like, I don't have friends that are celebrities. I think that's like a common misconception about casting directors too. Is that like. We're just like, we know all these really cool people and places and like we have access to people. Like I have the same group of friends I always had. So like, yes, have I gotten to read and, and work with like incredible people whose work I admire and dream of? Absolutely. Like I got to work on a pilot years ago. Oh my God, like I think seven or eight years ago, which is upsetting now. Um, that Matt Damon executive produced and he came to every single test and like hung out with us and that was amazing and like you know people who are just so cool but that's you know it's sort of like why we all grow up loving movies right like there's just some sort of a star quality to it that we all love so and I still you know I mean I don't get starstruck very often but occasionally I'll happen and I'll be like oh, no I'm cool I'm cool I'm cool <laughs> cool that's how I feel when I see Renee. I just, <laughs> every time. He's the best. I love Renee. I adore him. 
he's so great i i mean like what a good actor and just like a yeah, yeah, he's, dude. he's really cool he's really cool i, I know you're working on a, a new project that i saw that uh charlie day's directing um has he been have you guys been pretty hands-on with that you know yeah. is that his first film he's directing yeah it's charlie's directorial okay. debut and he's starring in it and he wrote it um we actually shot that movie over a year ago now and i don't know what's going on with it i haven't heard okay. anything about where it's come out i think there was they were going to can or something was going on but who knows with the world now um charlie was the nicest guy in the world he you know we did a bunch of sessions with him in the room um reading with certain people and just like an absolute pleasure, normal human being, like, you know, just a love. And I am someone who admires his comedy so much. I think that he is a genius. Um, and he was great. He was an absolute pleasure to work with. I'm, I really want to see that movie. That movie was insane. And and I don't want to give anything away about it because of it's so insane, but I have no idea what's happening to it. Because we're left out of all of those conversations, right? Like once, yeah. once things are cast, like, you know, bye, we're on to the next thing. So, you know, things go into production and that's when you guys form bonds with everybody and you make all your memories. Casting directors are way long gone by the time that happens. So we are the forgotten people. <laughs> that, was, that was interesting because I was curious if you guys ever kind of follow up with things, how they're progressing, but I guess your job is done, right? Yeah. So you really I mean, have nothing to. Yeah, I mean yeah. we're we're so heavily a pre-production. Like we're usually one of the first people hired on a production because you have a script and then you need a cast. Um, so by the time it gets to shooting, I mean, listen, if you're on a series, obviously you're on board while they're shooting and you're you know working on the next episode or whatever it is. But when it comes to big films like that, by the time they're up and running and going, you're usually you know onto onto the next one. I've always been curious, how does a, how does a CD find work? Like, I know now if you're more established, it's, it probably just comes to you all the time. But if you're kind of just up and coming and you're trying to get into this whole thing, like, how do you even get work, really? It's a lot of relationships, the same way for you guys. Um, a lot of it is producers and directors are very loyal to casting directors they've always worked with. And those are the people they call when they have a project. Um, or, you know, we put ourselves out there and we look for jobs and we're scrappy the same way you guys are when you're looking for, I always tell actors, it's like, it's like you guys, when you're looking for a rep, it's sort of how we are. We have to sort of market and promote ourselves and, mm. um, you know, uh, meet with studios and networks and say, please keep us in mind. You know, um, if a producer or let's say like a network ABC picks up a pilot and they ask the producers, okay, do you have a casting director you want to work with or are you open? They say, nope, we want to work with Jeannie McCarthy. Call her and make a deal. And they say, okay, we'll do that. Or they say, no, we're open. We'd love to take meetings and meet with people. And so then, you know, hopefully we'll get a call and say, okay, we have this pilot. We want to set you up on a meeting with the producers. We'll go in and we'll meet. We'll have read the script. We'll maybe talk about ideas or lists um, and see if, you know, if we jive also, because you just want to work with like-minded people who get you at the end of the day um, and sort of go from there. Um, also, you know, I've been really fortunate. I've worked on a lot of um, shorts and thesis films from uh, uh, people who were getting their MFA in film who are now directing movies and remembered me from casting their thesis film. And those are the people that are going to be making movies tomorrow. And they, they call and they say, hey, like, let's work together again. So you form relationships that way too. Um, so again, it's all, it's all about, you know, being memorable, making relationships and being a kind and professional human. But it's a hustle. And sometimes you don't know if, if you're not working with like a big casting office per se. Um, it's 
it could be harder to kind of find and secure those jobs because it's the same thing like um you know you might be able to look up some of your favorite comedies and see they were all cast by Allison Jones right and so somebody else goes oh well when I make my movie I just want Allison Jones because she does all all the big comedies that's just yeah. what I want to do so it's it's the same for actors right you're like oh I see Tom Cruise and everything so like uh, we want Tom Cruise like you're used to saying seeing sort of the same names over and over again um so it makes it hard it makes it hard for some of the younger casting directors to sort of come up and um, establish their place. Not impossible, but it's, you know, still the grind. Everybody's out there on their grind, man. Like, doing the best we can. Well, I get it. You're, you're trying to cut out all the competition. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Will, will you give a student a better rate, like, for their MFA film? Or is it all, <laughs> all the same? It depends. It's usually all the same. I don't do a lot of them anymore, um, okay. to be very honest, but, uh, but yeah, it depends. <laughs> they got to pay. They come to you for the quality cast. Yeah. got to pay the same. Listen, I mean, it, it depends. <laughs> Austin was curious because he's casting a film and he really was going to ask you. I'm, I'm not a student. I'm not a student. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, uh, we can talk. We can talk. Okay, cool, cool. Um, as we get to like final questions, I have a very specific one. So if you laughed at that other one, then you might laugh at this one. But oh, good. But it's, it's very, it's, I mean, it's fine. It's very specific. If, like, when I'm in the room for a casting director or anybody, obviously the casting director will ask the question, do you have any, do you have any questions to the mm -hmm. actor? And I'm not, ask, I'm not asking, like, what's a fake question I could ask, but, like, I always feel sort of negative responding, like, oh, no, good to go or whatever. Nope. Don't feel negative. It's not a test. It's literally a, a moment for you to get some clarity should you need some clarity because okay. so many people get in and they're afraid to ask. They're afraid they're going to look stupid or they're afraid they're they're gonna overstep or whatever it is so it's literally just an opportunity to clear the air and it is perfectly fine to say nope i'm all good and move on we, we do not have a second thought about that um however if you start asking questions just for the sake of asking questions that will also be really obvious and like that's again not what we're there for like we really this is about like we are your cheerleader we want you to get the job and so we want to be able to clarify anything that will be helpful to you in that moment, whether it's about the show or even if it's about the timeline or whatever it is, um, it's a genuine question. So if you genuinely don't have a question, you can just say, oh no, I'm all good, thank you. The okay. end, <laughs> the end of interaction. All right, cool. <laughs> now you know her future reference. Oh. It's not a test. All right, not good. A test. It's not a, that's not a test and your slate is also not a test if i have one more actor complain to me about slates and go crazy over slates i swear to god a slate is bookkeeping to us you know what i mean a slate is not going to get you a job and it's not going to not get you a job if i if your your uh, scene is brilliant and your slate you didn't follow the directions that's not going to not get you to work it's literally bookkeeping to us your name so we know how to pronounce it uh, and so that we make sure we have the right tape, your height, because that's generally information that we need about like when we're matching people, if somebody's six foot seven, that's probably good information to have. Uh, your location, a lot of the times, we need to know where you are. Like literally, it is just bookkeeping for, for casting. Um, and people get so crazy about it and just like overthinking or like, do I have to be in the same outfit? Do I have to be in the same setup? Like, what if I'm in a different room? No, have one good slate that you just tack onto the end of every scene you do. Like, you don't, you don't have to keep reflating every single time. Um, 
you just need the information that's requested in that specific uh, self-tape. So just, just read the directions is all. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I have a specific question that just kind of sparked from something you just said right now. Um, so I was, up for, I was up for a role for, uh, for a series on Paramount and I got a call back for it. Um, basically did the same thing essentially. And they had me change some things in the room, did that. Then they told me they wanted me to come back for a third audition. Um, and then I was kind of thinking like, well, what else do they want to see? You know what I mean? And then I started thinking like, should I dress differently? Should I try something else? Do something that I that didn't see in the scene? Cause they've already seen like these other versions of it. And I was kind of like, I guess doubting myself in a sense, they ended up not doing a third audition, but I was just kind of curious, like in that situation, like it kind of felt like, well, what else is there to show you guys? Like I've already done like these two different things. Like, should I do something completely different or? Don't do something completely different. It could be just that they're narrowing down and they want to see you live. It could be that a producer wanted to be in the room who couldn't be there the last time. And they just want to like feel the live energy and see the people in person. I wouldn't change anything. They're, they're calling you back because they like the work that you did and they're responding to the things that you did in the room. So if you go in there making some really new bold choice, it's going to throw them off and be like, whoa, what the hell happened? Um, if they gave you specific redirection, let's say, that kind of changed the intent of the scene last time, you can ask before you go in and say like, hey, Johnny, um, they, they tweaked the scene and Johnny did it more angry. And at first he was doing it really more devastated. Do you know which version they were really kind of looking to see this time and let the casting office say, oh, they're actually going for that, that more angry version that, that we readjusted to. Can you have him make sure that he's like prepared to do it that way? that's totally an acceptable question to to ask and so that you're mentally prepared to go in there and do whatever it is you're going to do but i wouldn't i wouldn't go in making any different choices it's it's okay. usually by that time just like down to brass tacks that means they're just trying to make a final decision depending on what it's for and they just need to see it again and it's exhausting by the way we hate doing that to you guys like we don't want to make you come back again and again and again because it sucks for us and it sucks for you so if we can avoid it somehow we're gonna and it sounds like they ended up avoiding it they sounds like they ended up it ended up not happening right so you know we we want to we want it to be the least painful experience in the world but don't second guess yourself if you're being brought back you're being brought back because they like what you did so stick to that yeah i was just i was just curious because i was yeah. like it seemed like the same people were in the room again and i was like well you guys already saw that you have the tape and i'm like I don't, you know what I mean? Like, it was kind of like, I'm going to show you again. Like, they might be like, we've already seen this money, buddy. Like, let's do something else. You know, I so I wasn't sure. Yeah, obviously I can't speak for the project because I, I don't sure. know. But like, maybe, maybe the something happened with the tape. Maybe um, there was, you know, tweaks to the scene that they were going to give you on the fly to see how you handled it. Maybe they were going to end up chem reading you and they didn't want to, you know what I mean? Like, it could be a litany of things that we right. obviously just won't know the answer to. Um you know, I also worked on um, a Facebook watch series called Sorry for Your Loss. And um, our producers really loved being in the room for the final takes for big guest stars. They wanted to see everybody on tape. And then for like the four or five finalists, let's call them for like the bigger guest star roles, even if they were just in one episode, they just wanted to feel the experience of being in the room with those people. But they didn't want to like sit through the whole audition process. They just like wanted it narrowed down to that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time on that show, almost every episode, we would go up to CBS Radford after we'd already had auditions in our office and we'd bring back these like four or five or six people 
just to come in and do it live for the producers just to see how they felt. And sometimes they felt the exact same way that they did on tape. Sometimes it changed the way that they feel having the experience with the person live in the room. Um, for them, it was really important to do that. Not every office obviously and, and, and project operates that way. It's just sort of whatever is preferable to that creative team. Um, so you obviously, you know, it's, it's annoying for you guys, but if you want the job, sometimes you gotta jump through the hoops and that's life, babe, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I think what you proved today is uh, I'm going to quit. So thank you for yeah. this. I mean, I feel enlightened now. Um, More for Renee. <laughs> I know, right? Damn it, Renee. Uh, um, I only had one more question, but if you guys want to ask anything, go ahead. I was going to say great podcast, but Johnny, close us out. Um, the last question I was just going to ask you, just out of pure curiosity, is uh, you've obviously done a lot of things. So what are you most proud of? Oh boy. Her two-year-old. Um, yeah, I was gonna say that actually. All right, then there we go. No, but we're career good. wise, career. I, career. I am I am proud of being a mom with a career, especially a demanding 24-7 career. And and uh, I am still struggling daily on how to balance that because this job demands so much of you. And now I have to give a hundred percent of myself to being a mom and a hundred percent of myself to working and it is exhausting and it's constantly changing. Um, but I'm making it work. And I feel like today, I feel like I'm making it work tomorrow. Who knows? But you know, it's, it's exhausting. So I am proud of that for sure. Um, but if we're like talking like athlete wise or like whatever wise, um, you know, a couple years ago, um, Erica Silverman Bream and I, we cast this theater festival every year together um, uh, at the Blank Theater. It's uh, a national playwriting competition for uh, teenagers, for kids 19 years old and younger. They pick 12 winners every, way, every year and they fly those kids out to LA. We produce their plays every summer. And a couple years ago, um, Erica and I won an RDS award for our work on that play festival. And it was just awesome. like a really wonderful beautiful moment one to be like recognized by our peers was incredible two to be recognized for theater which like in LA is like unheard of right like people actually acknowledging theater and three to be recognized for that festival um was just really incredible because it's very very near and dear to mine and Erica's hearts and it doesn't look like it's happening this year obviously so we're trying to figure out a different way to to right. bring those plays to some kind of life because they did pick 12 winners um so that was, that was like a very truly cool moment for me. That was something I, I never thought I would be winning an RDS award because that's, that's sort of the highest honor we have. We don't have an Oscar. I mean, we have an Emmy, which is obviously amazing too, but um, they're, they're casting a sort of a forgotten about craft. So we sort of made these awards to honor ourselves. And um, it was really, really, truly a, a really amazing honor to the point where Eric and I both like blacked out when we got up on the stage <laughs> and the award and just like, and just like giggled and we're like, this is so nice, thank you. And left because we really didn't know what to say. I thought you were going to say you blacked out like in the after party after you were oh, celebrating. No. I was like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> I like that. that was <laughs> No, that, that was, did you guys have any other questions? I, that was always for me. I mean, I loved it. This was yeah, a great I podcast. A yeah, Kara, you're awesome. awesome. Wh where can our audience find you? Like if you want uh, them to. Or not find welcome you. To find me. Or not find me. I'm nowhere. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at CCRcasting. Um, and then most of, I'm, I'm also, my website is ccrcasting.com. And I'm basically any method through there, you can find me. If you're at any of those places, you, you know how to contact me. So do it. Contact me. I dare you. Boom. <laughs>
Hey, thank you so much for, uh, for hanging yeah, out with us. Appreciate it. Of course. And thank you for asking me. It was really a pleasure.